Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the spiritual man. This is our eighth installment in this series. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and, and like us, hit that button. And then if you want notifications, be sure to ring that bell. And another feature that we have is there are email devotionals that come to you along with this every day. So go to myfaithroots.com and you can find out everything you need to know about how to sign up for those free emails. And as all of this is, it's free. And so we're not raising money and what a great way to uh, uh, get the gospel and to be blessed and uplifted without it uh, being a burden to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, I'm reading from the NIV. Paul said, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. You know, that's, that's hard to imagine the Apostle Paul saying that there was a time when he was in weakness and in fear and tr actually trembling when he was speaking, but he says that. He said, "...my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words." And again, that's another thing that's hard to imagine because Paul is very persuasive and he's very wise, but he didn't rely on any of that when he went to the Corinthian church or to the Corinthian people before they became a church. He said, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of God's power. Uh, ordinary communications don't carry that kind of power. Now, all good, true information is beneficial, and it carries power to a certain extent. Uh, and, that, you know, information and knowledge is power, but it cannot be compared to the spiritual power that is released to us through the gospel. Ordinary communications can inspire some change, but there is nothing that can bring about change like the gospel of Christ. Only spiritual words can transmit power to your innermost being. And remember that. You, you can learn things that are beneficial with your mind, but your spirit is crying out for something more. This is the reason a lot of people go to church and walk out the door saying, you know, it was good and I enjoyed it, but I'm still hungry. I didn't get anything. It's because we didn't tap into the spiritual realm. Words have to be spiritual. Jesus said this, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, he knew that what he was saying was going to revolutionize people, that it would bring real change. And even in its simplest form, the gospel is confirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing you see all through the New Testament. Wherever the gospel was preached, it was confirmed with signs from God. Life change happened when people heard it and received it. Now they had to receive it. There were places where Jesus preached where not much happened. And that we read about in uh, Mark's gospel uh, where Jesus went to his own hometown. And uh, Matthew's gospel shares a similar story. And so we, we see that uh, 
uh, the gospel has to be mixed with faith, but when we, people believe it, amazing things happen. Now listen, Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, NIV, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So uh, here, here's what Paul was saying. He said, I throttled it back when I came to preach to you because I knew you for a group of thinkers and I determined that I was going to give you something that you did not know how to handle. I was going to show you words of power. You guys know clever arguments. You understand the ability of people to reason. Nobody was better at that than the Greeks and Athens, Corinth, and all those Greek cities. These people were masters of philosophy. Paul said, I dare not take that approach when I go to preach to them. What they need to see is simplicity and power. And that's exactly what he gave them. Here's what that meant. It meant that while Paul was there, that there were miracles that were done. There were healings that took place. And on top of that, there was an amazing conviction of sins and lost state in people. People uh, knew and recognized, I'm not right with God and I'm in trouble. And they were also convinced that Paul had the answer. That happened to me. I, I knew Christians, I knew people who followed Christ, didn't want to be like any of them, but I went to a revival meeting when I was junior in high school, and I heard a man preach the gospel in amazing power, and, and, and very simple, but very convincing and convicting, and, and I, I left that service that night without a commitment to Christ, but boy, was I unsettled. I was convicted down to my deepest being. I knew that Jesus was real. Not only that, I knew I was sinful, and I knew that I said no to him, and that bothered me. It bothered me greatly. All night long, I thought about that. I slept, but I woke up here and there thinking about the decision I had made not to receive Christ. And the next day, I got up, and I determined, I'm going back to that church tonight. I'm going to walk that I'm going to get saved. I don't care who else uh, is there who sees me. I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, it brought about a real life change in me. Now, we, us, we have to understand that this gospel is preached in a hostile climate. The world around us is hostile toward Christ and his message. Now, here's what Paul went on to say. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, Paul said. No, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now when Paul uses this expression, uh, the rulers of this age, it is a double reference prophecy. He's talking about natural human leaders. Pontius Pilate would have been one. There were other uh, uh, people mentioned in the gospel narrative who were in power in Israel at the time. Herod, uh, the chief priests and scribes, uh, Annas, Caiaphas were there. Um, then there was a Roman emperor in power. And this refers to these people, but it also refers to another type of ruler, and these are the spiritual rulers, the demonic powers that influence people, and particularly the rulers of this world. 
Now, here's what Paul is saying. He said, number one, if the demonic powers had known the plan of God, they would never have stirred a mob to crucify Jesus because the crucifixion was their loss. It was their undoing. When Christ died on that cross, he freed mankind from the grip of sin. And the price was paid for people to be set free. They didn't even know it. They didn't realize it when it happened. Uh, it was not until later that they realized how they were defeated when Christ was raised from the dead. They thought they had won when he was crucified. It all flipped on them and rather suddenly. Secondly, there are the natural leaders. Now, I want to say this. Sometimes there are natural leaders who know the truth of the gospel and still reject it. The chief priests and scribes who schemed to get Jesus crucified, the ones who rejected him, a lot of Jewish people did not reject him, but these people did, the top guys did. When the Roman soldiers had seen the evidence of the resurrection and they saw what happened at the tomb and they saw the angels who stepped out and they fell on the ground as dead men. When they came to and rose up, they went to those rulers, told them what had happened. Those rulers knew that this had happened. They still rejected it. But most rulers are not that way. Most rulers would say, you know what, if this is real, then I'm going to buy into it. And, and so that's what Paul is talking about here. There's some that don't, but many do. Now, no general ever reveals his battle plans to his enemies. So this is what God did. He foretold every detail of the coming of the Messiah. But he didn't do it in one place, and he didn't do it with one prophet. He threw a little bit to David, a little bit to Isaiah, a little bit to Zechariah. He planted it all over the Scripture. Some of it goes all the way back to the Torah. Some of it is in the first part of Genesis. He gives it in symbolic pictures. He gives it in actual statements. There are the very clear details about what would happen. Psalm 22 is one of them. Read it. Isaiah 53 is another one. Read it. It's amazing. It gives detail about how Jesus would come, tells where he's going to be born, tells that he's going to be rejected, tells that he's going to be betrayed. I mean, all of it is there. And uh, so you see that God tells all of this, but he does it in such a way that nobody can make sense of it. And it's scattered over centuries. I'm not talking about two or three decades. I'm talking about centuries. This detail is scattered. And this is a very real proof of divine foreknowledge because you've got one mind inspiring all of these different people at different times, different places, different parts of Israel. They're all Israeli prophets, but they, they are all getting bits and pieces and they're sharing these things. And it's amazing when it all comes about, then you can see the plan of God. Um, then the, the other thing is that, that these scriptures that foretold the death and the resurrection of Christ had to be given out in piecemeal because had they been given the demonic powers would not have cooperated. They would have messed the whole thing up. And so God hid his plans in a mystery. In fact, that's what the Bible says. The whole plan of God is a mystery. The resurrection's a mystery. The church was a mystery. It was hidden. And so God hid these battlefield plans. Now, 
this hostility is still in the earth. We still deal with hostile spiritual forces. And because of that, the plans of God still are cryptically revealed. He does not lay it all out. Now listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Now not only did God hide His major plan, but God even hides His minor plans, plans that involve us, His plan for our lives. Uh, he does not give us all of these in the open all at once. He gives it on a need-to-know basis so that the enemy gains no advantage over us. Now, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. He teaches us, shows us who Christ is. He does that through the Scriptures. And what we learn is we learn His character. We learn His goodness. We learn His faithfulness. We learn about His care for us. Listen to me. It's not about the stuff. Although the Scripture does promise that God wants to bless us with every good thing. However, he blesses us with these good things because of who He is. So it's more important for us to know who He is than to know about the stuff. The stuff is always secondary. It is His goodness, His nature, His character that the Holy Spirit wants to show to us. We become convinced of Him and who He is. All right, now, the Holy Spirit also reveals God's plan for our lives. Now, he has to hide these things. I'll use this illustration. You know, let's say that I'm leaving town, but my daughter needs some money, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her $1,000. I don't tell her, hey, I'm going to put this under a rock in your flower bed. I know you're gone at the moment, and I won't be able to see you, but I'll drive by your house, and I'm going to put this under your, uh, a rock in your flower bed. I don't put that in the newspaper. I don't put it out openly where everybody can see it. I don't advertise it for the whole world to know. Why is it? Because anybody who hears that, who is dishonest, is going to go look under that rock. Well, the same thing is true of the blessings that God has for your life. God has to hide those things to keep the devil from muddying the waters and messing up the plan and creating more opposition than what we could reasonably expect to overcome. So God has to hide these things. And His plans are always greater than our limited thinking. Can I tell you this? You don't think big enough for God. I don't think big enough for God. I can tell you that the things God has done in my life are far, far greater than anything I ever imagined. If you could set me down at the very beginning and tell me this is what's going to come about in your life, I would say, I, I don't know if that could happen, but it did. And it's far greater than anything I ever imagined. But God hid it. He didn't show it to me all at once. Now, how do we do this? Well, first of all, we follow God generally. And if you want to find God's specific plans, then you have to learn to follow God's uh, general plans. The specific plans come after general plans. Church, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. <clears throat> Choice of friends. 
Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't, don't tie yourself up or keep yourself tied to people who do not have a love for God. They'll pull you down. Communication with God through Scripture. God's going to talk to you through His book. The Holy Spirit will remind you of Scriptures, things that you have read. He brings those back to your remembrance. That's God's primary method of communication to you. And then also communication with God through prayer where you talk to Him and when you bring Him promises, you pray Scriptures that you've read, you've met, and that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. So take this to the Lord and pray. And we do that. So when you do this generally, the Holy Spirit will give you specifically the things that you need to know to follow God. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. Once again, be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel and like this. If you want to share it with somebody, be sure to do that. It'll help us greatly. And go to MyFaithRoots.com to sign up for that free email devotion that comes every morning to your email. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. 